0: of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles. This is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's Daniele Bolelli's triumphant return from Italy, where he discovered the joy of sleeping, the fine line between bad philosophy and deep metaphysics. The evils of science's dogma, the foulness of 12-hour-old muddy gray holy water, gladiators for peace, new meaner gnomes, and the best ice-cold sangria in the world. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniele Bolelli. Away we go.
1: It looks like summertime's over, everybody, because back from Italy is Daniele Bolelli.
2: And I'm not incredibly pleased about being back from Italy. I'm pleased about recording a podcast. That's all fun and good. Well, but, it's
1: good to see you regardless. But man, I had a good time in Italy. Oh, well, what was the best?
2: There's a lot of good stuff, but one of the highlights, which I know it may not sound like much to most people at this moment, but sleeping for six weeks without having to keep an ear open to see what my daughter was doing because my my father was taking care of that part. Good God, sleeping feels good. If you guys have a chance to enjoy good sleep, man, count yourself lucky. I don't want to hear any whining from anybody who can sleep in a comfortable bed and not be waking up in the weirdest way at all times because you don't have such a bad life, let me
1: tell you that. (laughs) There's a lot to be said for it. I mean, we we went down to Comic-Con for a few days, and uh, for sure my wife's favorite part of that is room service at 10.13 in the morning. Nice. And then maybe a nap, a post-room service nap not bad not bad at all anybody who's raised children you do deserve a few thousand naps that are
2: yeah indeed so that part was cool and then there's uh, italy I had, I had a blast you know i saw a bunch of cool people i got to travel around milan bergamo toscany all over the place i had this friend who took me around uh, he and his family uh, roberto Banchini and his family we drove around all over uh, all over the Tuscan countryside, got to see a place where supposedly the tale is that where the King Arthur story of the sword in the stone is uh, originates from. Really? Maybe, maybe not. Nobody knows. But in any is case, there a stone? Yeah, there, there is some with a hole in it. In the 1100s, uh, decided after fighting forever, decided to give it all up. Stuck this sword in the stone. The tale, by the way, gets cooler because beside the sword that's still there, you see they say that there were some guys who got envious of the fame that this guy was achieving as this uh, former warrior hermit so they walked up there and they tried to break the sword out of the stone and to break it down while um while this man was gone now the man was gone but what was left behind was a wolf slash dog that was uh, on friendly terms with our warrior hermit who didn't take it too well so jump on one of these guys and the tale goes that he ripped his arms off and uh, in this church in italy in the toscan countryside where the sword in the stone is if you lift the thing you also see these bones these hands that radiocarbon dating say they do belong to somebody from the 1100s wow that have been supposedly ripped off by a wolf so that's a cool church right there but um yeah so that was interesting um on a less bloody fashion i got to do some beach life in italy just hanging out by the sea which is like one of the most healing things ever just laying there in this giant swimming pool that is the mediterranean sea because it's you know it's warm it's fairly not much current it's great uh got to go to rome got to go to lake como i wanted to knock on george Clooney's villa but i decided to you know restrain myself from that had a great time there there was this one time and i was like way up in the mountains above lake como and uh, i see this major lightning storm across the way with I don't see the rain because it's far enough, but all I see is lightning going off every three seconds for a good two hours.
1: Is it the Alps in the distance stirring that up? Or? Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, but not that far, you know, it was oh, like right. uh, beautiful, amazing. And the whole thing was, uh, so I had a blast. I had a really good time.
1: That's fantastic. I am pushing for, my fellow Americans to adopt the six-week vacation policy yeah I think we've I all think worked for be. long enough especially for a, an entire culture and generation and have had goddamn raise in 20 years it's time to slow it up a little bit
2: I mean I've done some stuff but it's work slash fun you know I, th- I did teach a martial arts seminar while I was there I did uh, you know a few lectures book presentations but you know it's all good fun no at this lecture this was funny man I as um Isabella decided to walk up to me in the middle of a lecture that I was, give, I was a book presentation I was doing and, uh, she just climbed up on me and, um, decided she want to hold my mic. So I continued speaking pretty much without missing a beat. Well, lifting her, cradling her in my arms. I was standing right as I was walking around and she would hold the mic for me and probably not the typical way to hold the lecture, but it was fun. That was, uh, quite a blast. Awesome. So, all good stuff now back to business um back to business back to business as always thanks to mr chris odell from datsusara who um all the amazing gear that he provides for us i actually used it during this trip my whole italian trip i had a hemp backpack a hemp computer bag a hemp everything was so if you guys need the uh, travel bags computer bags you name it um check out that's a our sponsor again all the links to uh, all of our sponsor in the episode notes and you get discounts if you use the correct code for it so if you want to buy any of their stuff please use those codes interesting enough that's sarah is no longer our only sponsor we just doubled up on um so we're very pleased to announce that we uh, sponsoring us is also Onnit. on it. big woo woo it. that you know they have been sponsoring uh, Rogan for a long time they have been doing a lot of stuff now if you guys have been paying attention you may remember a few episodes ago we had uh, Aubrey Marcus on Aubrey is the um, boss at Onnit and uh, I mean, I still need to familiarize myself with everything that Onytex has because there's so much stuff. You know, you have a whole set of supplements there from alpha brain to a whole lot of other stuff. There's a whole set of products that are exercise related. One of the coolest things I've seen so far is uh, if any of you guys use kettlebells, they have the primal bell, which is shaping the face of a chimp. Awesome, I love that one there's there's a whole bunch of exercise products there's a whole bunch of food products that are so there's a lot of stuff you guys check out onit.com there's a whole variety of things out there and not only do i dig the stuff that's in there because there's really quite a bit of stuff that to pick from but first and foremost i just like the man, you know, kind of like what happened with that. Cesar, you know, Chris O'Dell is a great guy and on top of it, he happens to make some amazing products. Yeah. Aubrey Marcus is a guy that I just, um, there's something about the man. I just trust him a lot. I really, really like him. I just got a great vibe talking with him. If you guys miss that one, make sure to listen to that episode because it was so much fun to record. So I'm very excited to have him uh, sponsor our podcast.
1: Some kind soul actually called that called that episode on iTunes the greatest podcast ever.
2: I heard that. That's yes. some high praise right there. Indeed. Very much so. But yeah, I, I felt it was great. I yeah. felt uh, I felt that we had a great time. I mean, the point one of the good measures of when something is going well is if everybody in the room is having a blast and yeah. it's having a good time, that's usually something
1: good comes out. Okay? And it was definitely great. It was just great stories, great vibe. No, you're right. Thanks so much, Aubrey. Yeah, you're the man.
2: Um, and we'll
1: get brushed up on all the products as we start to get introduced to them ourselves. So.
2: And speaking of good men, to Bennett from Sure Design, uh, oh. Sure Design again, some of the coolest t-shirts there are. Um, Check out as uh, our link and to all his products because they are brilliant. Coracao chocolate, What can you say about chocolate that's not freaking amazing and. Um, uh, and then we have Audible.com. So we have a whole long list of also affiliate sponsors that uh, uh, you know you guys are in the market for any of the things. You wanna sign up and go for it. All in the episode notes, uh, where you can get some discounts for things that if you are interested in anyway, everybody wins our t-shirts we are continuing to sell our t-shirts in the meantime and as usual just email me my email is in the episode notes and i'll check to make sure that we have your size and color before we ship them out um, thank you very much daisy house for the music as usual and uh, we since we haven't recorded in about 17 million weeks because we had all these episodes that we pre-recorded or we have been releasing every two weeks this time we have a quite lengthy list of donations since it's been so long since the last time so let the pottering begin thank you I couldn't start without that so thank you for (laughs) introducing that we have um, David Sustaita or Sustaita depending on where the accent goes Anton Massoni Tom uh, Kuljis K-U-L-J-I-S Sure, why not? Colleges. Uh, oh, this is an interesting one. We have. Um, you may remember that a few episodes ago, we had uh, released. Uh, in one of the episodes, we had a discussion of the epic story of Suan Bikro basketball player from Pine Ridge Reservation. Yes, yes. Well, about couple of weeks month later or something like that i see in the donation list somebody donated from pine ridge south dakota and uh, the donor was cecilia big who happens to be suan's sister and this is about the world being truly way more interconnected than i had ever imagined you know you have one of our listeners who's friends with her um call her or email her i'm not sure in any case let her know that we recorded about suhan she listened to the episode was very happy with it sent us a donation sweetest thing ever i'm super thrilled that she had a chance to check out the episode i'm super thrilled that she liked it even better and that uh, even more thankful that she chose to reach out to us so that was one of those
1: made my day kind of thing was I know there's there's a little bit of chat. I don't know if it's with the shirt design. I think it is about doing a sort of memorial shirt. Yeah, and, and I remember Cecilia in the brief exchange we had by email mentioned
2: how, you know, she had some ideas about some projects for... So we'll talk about it, see
1: where we go with it. Yeah. And, uh, if anybody did have any interest, I think it'd be a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. And, um, but also... You know, there, I may not know some amazing story about the rest of you guys, but I really appreciate and everybody else who donated as well. And so our list continues with Thomas Robinson and Jesse Blackford. Uh, okay, you have a cool first name. Gandhi Garcia, which nice. that's a cool mix right there. Rick here. It's here, except that it has two E. So H-E-E-R-E. I'm guessing here. Ding. i have no idea sorry i don't know how to pronounce it you're from holland i should probably know how to pronounce it but i don't <laughs> jerry young uh christopher leffelman Stan Kerr, nicandro martinez nicandro is well uh, he has a really awesome story i'll probably tackle it in one of the future um podcasts michael draper uh jessica keller clint oh fuck man sorry about your last name uh he's an evil australian who uh Tease me by email about donating purely for the purpose of hearing me sweat his name, and I am sweaty. The moment name, is so, come. yeah, there you, go, you got friend. your thing. cleaned <laughs> last name, let's try this. Knedzevich, no, fuck if I know, it's K N E Z E V I C. How the hell? I mean, come on! This is just wrong. Doesn't sound
1: Australian at all. I think he's imported. I think he made it up just to fuck with me. I think that's not his name at all. But we already had Mr. Cool Jizz back there just a moment ago, so I think we may be getting our chain pulled.
2: Now we have uh, Ryan or Matt. I couldn't tell because one there was one name in the email, one name in the donation form. So either Ryan or Matt. Terwilliger. Terwilliger. Uh, Brian Blair, Brett Silveira, Jovan Nguyen, uh, Clinton O'Hanlon, Bob Dean, uh, Mujo Campara, and thank you guys so much. Uh, on our funny note, um, Cameron is uh, owner of an eco lodge in. Get this for our map and check in where people are listening to us from the entire world. We got an email from Malawi, as in bring out an atlas, because I have a pretty freaking good knowledge of geography and even I, as yeah it is Africa and I even have a vague sense of where it is but vague you know not really, so I was like Malawi really somebody in Malawi listen to us this is so cool and thanks for emailing us to let us know because that always bring a smile, that was fun As usual, if you guys buy any of the books or if you don't, well, if you donate, you received it already and that's where it's at. You don't need to let me know. But if you bought any of my books and you want to get a PDF of quotes taken from On The Warrior's Path, create your own religion and plus some unpublished stuff, just send me an email and I'll email you back with the PDF.
1: Where might a person go to buy those books?
2: Yes, Amazon link. As usual, if you guys want to buy anything on Amazon, of any kind this are really only works if you live in the us but if you uh, use amazon.com and uh, please use our link click on our link and then it opens up an amazon window anything you buy amazon give us a cut so please do that a lot of you guys have been using it and we really appreciate it so please keep at it um, any other business we need to take care of
1: Yeah, real quick, I just want to thank everyone for our ever-growing collection of folks giving micro loans to the world through Kiva.org. As of August 3rd, Team Drunken Dallas has 12 members, funding over $800 in loans. So keep it up, and if you want a free starter loan, hit me up at therichimon, T-H-E-R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, at gmail.com, and I'll send you an invitation for a free loan so you can get started and get a feel for it, but... This is awesome everybody. I couldn't be more excited. Let's get it growing, tripling, quadrupling and all those sort of things and tell two friends and so on and so on. But now is showtime. We are ready to roll.
2: I think we are. So, let's kick off episode 22.
0: So back to school episode. Yep.
1: First of all it's very nice to see you very
2: good to see you we're
1: man. we're breaking out of the stockpile uh time warp
2: back to the present time
1: or two weeks from now depending yep. on who you happen to be yeah
2: my daughter the other day asked me is today tomorrow i'm like you're only forgiven because you're four years old otherwise i would beat you for a question like that that's a pretty good question it's, no it though. is a good question it depends on which mood you're in It can either sound like bad philosophy class or it can sound like deep metaphysics depending on the mood
1: yeah or the drunkenness yeah because I still get people that call me from 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 the the East Coast on New Year's I'm calling you from next year man (laughs)
0: funny
1: they don't have they don't ever have the lottery ticket numbers or anything or something for a good uh, world cup bet or anything
2: useless bastards so what
1: did we learn in Italy
2: (sighs) it was fun I had a blast. You
1: look rested.
2: Yeah, no, it was great. Um, I got to see, it. seeing Italy as a tourist is such a blast. It's fun. The thing that's weird about Italy, I may go on a rant one day about the whole thing, but the thing that's bizarre is that um, the way people handle stuff is so different now. Like I noticed it, it was hard to do public speaking there because I'm used to do public speaking here and people tend to respond a lot. You know, you make a joke and people are like jumping to it and they're like, wow, or they go, I would like be speaking and nobody moves a muscle. And you're like, does that mean good or does that mean bad? You Did know? you ever figure that and out? And then at the end, they're like, that was great. That was like, you look like a fucking statue the whole time. I was like cracking jokes and you just stare at me straight on. And I'm like okay, that's weird, so it was strange you know, it's like there are some cultural things that I guess are different and I'm not used to it because I'm not there anymore, so it's
1: Does your Italian slip at all? Mmm
2: not No, not really. I mean, it may, the first uh, public speaking things were weird because it's sometimes I catch myself thinking in English and I'm like, what the fuck is that word in Italian again? And I may not remember it and I'll just look, kind of go around it and use a different turn of words to get to the point. But uh, no, not sleep, just uh, easier or harder flow depending on uh, how much use I've got out of it. Do you
1: dream in English now?
2: For the most part, yeah they have got you man I'm yeah. sorry. But you know I don't mind. English is it's funny to how it is the language because English is perfect for giving people orders. You know if you want to rule an em- if you want to rule an empire you need to speak English because it's like do this, don't do that. The Italian is great for seducing women because it takes forever. It's like there's this long flowery like the rhythm of Italian is la 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 ta da 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 da. da, nah. da, da exactly
0: Motherfucker!
2: Exactly. that's a bit different to get stuff done go with english <laughs> to have fun go with italian
1: I, I, i'm in the mood for more fun these days yeah,
2: i'm down with that I,
1: but we have a revolution organized so yeah. it's not gonna be fun for very long
2: and, i mean italy was weird in that sense because like the crisis right now the economic crisis is insanely bad Whereas before, I heard people complain and whatever. Now, I would see it for real. Like, people, a lot of people I know, it's no job. A lot of people who uh, stop paying their bills because none of the people who owe them money is paying them because they're all waiting for somebody else. It's like, so, it's pretty bad right now. But, um, you know, since I don't live there, just coming going through is a blast. But the perception was heavy, definitely. was not.
1: Uh, now, now, we've had... A few insane stories go down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the good one first. This new Pope is the real deal, man. I saw some Did picture, you see him in yeah. Brazil?
2: I saw some stuff.
1: It was pretty funny. Hanging out There's, in uh, the worst part of Brazil, yeah, yeah. greeting the people, humble.
2: I saw there was this magazine cover I couldn't get over. There was this picture of him, and I was looking at it, and I'm like, this is the first Pope that smoked weed day to night because... Probably not, but the smile was an incredible stoner smile. I was like, this dude is listening to Bob Marley and smoking joints when he's back in the...
1: Well, you saw the interview where he was asked about gays, and he said, who am I to judge? (laughs) Wow. That's got to be a first in the history of the papacy.
2: Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's definitely... Let's see where it goes. So I know Ratzenberg's
1: still chasing us, but this new cat...
2: No, no, interesting, definitely.
1: The only thing he... Said the door is shut on is is women priests. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, and that's policy wise, not a whole lot has changed. But as far as perception and the guy, he seemed different. Who knows? You know, he does seem different. I keep my mind open. It's,
1: he seems to have a little more Jesus in him than the rest well, of them have. But and then just to kind of get your take on it and what you may have seen internationally, the Trayvon Martin thing. Obviously, we are a left leaning program. I think mm-hmm. people know that. But in in my mind. The second that son of a bitch got out of his car after the cops, which was really weird to hear me say the cops told him to do something, Mm -hmm. and he didn't do it, and that kid ended up dead, you need to go to jail
0: for a
2: while. right? Yeah, that's usually how, I don't know. I mean, I was out the whole time when the last things went down, so I'm kind of like stuck on three months ago or something. The last beat I just got, news in italian translated 17 times filtered in that by the way was a trip while speaking of the translation and the dubbing thing while i was there was the 40th anniversary of the of the death of bruce lee so they screened on italian tv i am bruce lee and all of a sudden i see myself on tv but it's me speaking in english and some italian dude other than me dubbing me into italian wow so i am speaking italian but it's not my
1: voice i was like oh this is a trip right there did they at least get the translation right
2: mostly i mean when you translate you have to be creative right you can be cool. no there's exactly no question about literally that. so but for the most part it was fun it was entertaining definitely it was fun well,
1: it's always nice to see yourself on tv anyway yeah, yeah. good stuff the mega star but, anyway, uh, that's just sort of the general catch up. Now it's time to jump into a rant. Let's do that. Just like the old days. Yep. I
2: say <laughs> let's have two. Uh, one, let's start with gladiators for world peace. I'm on my various trips in Italy. I passed through Rome. And, you know, if you're in Rome, might as well go through the Colosseum. Why course. not? And while I was there, I thought this is the way to go. Let's gladiators for world peace listen to me if it sounds totally insane or just partially insane this is what i'm thinking sick and tired of people who for religious reasons for political reasons for economic reasons they decide to slaughter the ones that they consider their enemies so far that doesn't bother me that much and kill a whole bunch of people in between who just want to be left the fuck alone civilians inevitably are the highest number of casualties in any war they are the highest number you know you want to you have an issue with you the u.s government you want to bomb the u.s government just bomb the fucking u.s government don't bomb some random civilian that has nothing to do with it same thing you know israeli palestinian uh, whether it's like different religious groups all of that stuff is I understand people have legitimate issues for hitting each other, and this is not a combaya thing of like, we should all get along. It doesn't work that way. So because I understand that that's nature and it doesn't work that way, let's do it in a safe fashion. Give me a modern day Coliseum, give a bunch of swords to this guy on one side, bunch of swords to guys on the other side, gladiatorial matches on pay-per-view and uh, you know the hardcore jewish settlers in israel and hardcore palestinian they can kill each other in the coliseum and not touch any civilian who doesn't want to be part of it same thing you know if you want to go to war with so and so well have your guys meet their guys in that one field again i'll have a beer while watching on pay-per-view who gets to chop who's head off but you leave all the damn civilians alone. In other words, you delegate com- violent conflict to a special area outside of the boundaries of regular society. So i are not saying it never exists, it never will exist again, because obviously it will. You know, that's human nature we are bad bastards who like to do bad things to each other, and people constantly have violent grievances with each other that will explode into violence. I can live with that. I, I can't leave is that your stupid grievances somebody else has to pay for it because oops, we just end up shooting you along the way. Sorry. I was really mad with that guy, but you happen to be in the way. And yeah, you were like, going to
1: get water from the well for your family. Yeah. Sorry so i think this is a fantastic idea would it not have been great if rumsfeld cheney and bush Mm -hmm. had gotten with uh, saddam and a couple of his fellas yeah just have it out absolutely when you're done let us know guys yeah we'll watch
2: absolutely we'll definitely watch so check this out it's highly profitable it's uh safe it guarantees uh, the safety of civilians around the world this is the best idea ever if there was. I mean, I'm, I think I can hear the phone ringing here somewhere in the yeah. back, and I believe it's the Nobel Peace Prize Committee is calling, and they are saying, please accept it for next year, because this is the best idea ever. How do you go
1: about enforcement, though? As in? Uh, well, my team won, but now I'm going to go back to the loser's side. Uh, there's going to have to be some sort of spoils. Sure, um, I'm all for... Maybe a prize package, some turtle wax and <laughs> some rice Congratulations! Oh, that's the other part of the story. I'm, I'm focus. I'm thinking that,
2: generally speaking, these guys don't stop until they are to the last man. So, I'm for mutually assured destruction, where out of these uh, 300,000 of these guys against 250,000 of these guys, you have about 3,000 left by the time it's all done and over with... So not only it solves uh, the issue of civilians getting killed, it also is our cure for overpopulation. We have a wipe out of excessively belligerent people around the world who are willing to (laughs) don armor and pick up a battle axe in order to drive it into the head of their enemies and do it. You get to kill each other, leave everyone else alone and in the process, diminish the world population thereby easing an environmental crisis. Again, please call now, because I think this is double Nobel Peace Prize worth it.
1: Wow, and you can, you know, it could be ecological problems you could solve, too, that, that would make a lot of fertilizer. Absolutely, absolutely. Back in the old days, in the Roman times, this is as gross
2: as it gets, right? And, well, that's my nature. But <laughs> the... Um, they would, after they slaughtered a whole bunch of animals in the Colosseum during the fights and so on, they would distribute the meat of the slaughtered animals to all the poor people in Rome. That's why even some really bad emperors were loved by common people, because they would get a lot of free meat that way. Many of these guys wouldn't get, would not get, never see meat at all in their lives, so this was their big occasion to have this meal full of protein. And problem is that they wouldn't throw away anything, right? So among the various things you eat, you know, they chop up a bear, let's say, that has been, they give every single part of the bear away to the poor of Rome, including the stomach, including the content of the stomach. And among the content of the stomach, clearly there's some random dude who got eaten by a bear that very day earlier. So what would end up on the table of some of the poor Romans where also some good old fashioned cannibalism through eating the stomach of an animal who had been eating a Christian for breakfast.
1: Well, that's the nature of it. Yeah, you know, I was watching the Anthony Bourdain in Peru special, and mm-hmm. they were cooking up chicken hearts as street meat. And let me tell mm. you, it looked like it was probably pretty okay.
2: Yeah, so that's you spice uh, it right. That, that's the game. <laughs> well, speaking of Christians for breakfast, that was a trip right there. While I was in Milan, I realized a place where I would uh, meet people for breakfast all the time. It's like. 200 yards away from where there used to be the old arena in milan where they would have gladiatorial fights and uh, so i was thinking i'm having breakfast right next to the spot where 2000 years ago lions used to have christians for breakfast whoa this is a trip you know you feel the sense of um place in a different way you know we're here that are old are 200 years old is crazy old there there's that feeling of that spot of land where you have been so much shit has gone down there that it's like not it's insane and um it's quite a trip
1: that's fantastic yeah now do they have special places at the vatican where they used to burn witches
2: um <laughs> i think they kept the burning for separate oh well speaking of which you bring one up no not at the vatican but uh, among the places where i was in rome I was walking around, and I end up in this one square, um, Campo dei Fiori. Campo dei Fiori is the spot where they burned... Well, it was actually the spot where they had a lot of public executions. Among the many public executions they had, they burned to death Giordano Bruno for heresy. And today, on the very spot where Bruno was burned, there's a statue to Giordano Bruno, which is the ultimate fuck you to the church, and is a triumph of uh, free thinking in that sense. The fact that in the very spot where he was burned and church was uh, squashing dissent in that fashion, today you would have a statue to the man that they burned. Who and put the statue up? Eventually, I think when the church went down in Italy and it no longer had the power that it used to have, once the um, Italy became a more secular nation and all of that, that's when the more anti-clerical groups in Italy <clears throat> went for it and had a monument to a guy who represented the opposite of uh, church dogma.
1: The fact that the plaque at the bottom says, is it hot in here to you? is a pretty funny thing as well.
2: There is one of the legends in Rome. They say that if you go touch the statue, is considerably warmer than anywhere else in the plaza. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture on that one where I um, there's me next to the statue of Giordano Bruno and I'm delivering a middle finger message to the church on behalf of the spirit of Bruno. It was fun. And then right after I got done with that, I walk over 50 yards another way where they were making the best sangria I ever had in my Whoa. life which after a long walk through the streets of Rome in summer ice school sangria which was
1: oh my god that does was does it go good. straight to your head though? does it just
2: no it just it takes you on wing the horses straight to a heaven far far away before dropping you back in on the ground once the effect goes away
1: now, now that you mentioned your middle finger photo, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't put it onto my um, giant map of my conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but it seems that the Pope came out not judging gays anymore within days of you giving the middle finger photo. Once again, the pressure there's continues. A, there's a clear correlation, I would say. You yes. just got to connect the dots, man. Absolutely. I should work for the NSA, man. Let's be dot connector.
2: On that note, speaking of the Pope, uh, um, continuing my Italian trip, I um, I was um, I walk right by the Vatican on a day when the Pope happened to stop by, so which pissed me off because there were like seven gazillion people, so so to get through town was complicated. But sure. I did manage. I lost count after a while, but I think I did manage to break five commandments within about 500 yards of the Vatican. So that was kind of fun.
1: And not lightning bolt one. And
2: uh, I I didn't kill anybody in case you're wondering. No, that one I didn't. But there were quite a few others where I had lots of fun. That was a
1: good day. (laughs) So if you want to enter the contest, put your five broken commandments in the correct order. And then you have to come up with your own story as to how it went down. I have to as remember. As he lifted the wallet from the old lady that he was leeching no, over. No, <laughs> didn't do that. But uh, there were, maybe it was
2: four. But in any case, it was a good chunk. That I is. Was like, it's not going to bunch out. Fairly proud considering the proximity and uh, how many I got done. But some are
1: easier than others, too. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, hey, who's that lady? oh, yeah. oh shit, One, there we go, another then, yes, fist-off neighbors. Next. Lord. yes, Lord. So many rules.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, rant number two. Um, Let's go in a different direction. Beside, again, these... I think rant number one is deserving of the Nobel Peace Prize, and they keep sending my psychic messages. Call me, please. Call for Mr. Balaldi from Oslo,
1: Norway. Line two. This would be the guys that gave the Nobel Prize to the guy that continues to let drones kill innocent civilians.
2: Well, or for that matter,
1: they... um I can't
2: even say his name without feeling sick to my stomach, so I don't think I can get there, but...
1: Mikhail Gorbachev. No. Al Gore? (laughs) (laughs) No. You know where I'm going, right? I think so.
2: Who are we talking about among the evil fucks who received the Nobel Peace Prize?
1: Evil fucks? Yasser Arafat.
2: Uh, Nixon, foreign policy.
1: Oh, you could mean... Henry, let's make peace in Vietnam while we bomb the VC in Cambodia. Kissinger, do you? Mister Henry
2: Kissinger. At some point, got the um, Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, if the Rev, ever- oh, Jesus, that's a bad story. Yeah, if we pronounce it right, that may help, right? <laughs> Kissinger, God damn it, it's Kissinger. No, I like that Kissinger. Hmm. It's less manly, Kissinger. <sighs> Kissinger. Well, it's I could something. be wrong. It's, too. Right there. it's just what they told me on the TV when I was fucking fine now i have no idea so but um in any case i'll i won't go down that rabbit hole because that will take us far but no so let's go into um Rant number two. Rant number two is not going to be a particularly popular one, I guess, because I'm going on, as opposed to our Gladiator for war Peace, which will clearly win as uh, acclaim everywhere in
1: the world. Well, if world. nothing else, you're going to get an Emmy out of it. So. Right.
2: In the, um, no, in the second one, I'm picking on the kind of people who would be more likely to sympathize with the type of things we like and go for. Specifically, I'm picking on people who place a super strong emphasis on science now science is a good thing so why is it bad to put an emphasis on science i mean <clears throat> science is what rescue us from blind superstition It's what rescue us from dogma It's what rescue us from a lot of insanely bad tendencies so isn't it science the best thing in the universe yes and like anything else if you take it too far no not anymore when you turn science itself into a dogma, which may sound contradictory since science is supposed to be not about dogma, it's about testing stuff and so it's more than science. The issue is with scientism, is when people take science through such in such a rigid way as to become the same arrogant pricks as if they were religious fanatics. They just happen to speak a different language and like different stuff, but the mentality is the same anything that cannot be proven in a lab under reproducible conditions clearly is false, is bullshit, there's nothing to it so, and part of my problem with this is that scientific method is a fine thing, nothing wrong with it but for the longest time the scientific consensus was that the superiority of the white race compared to everyone else the scientific consensus was that some homosexuality was a mental illness that needed to be cured. The scientific consensus was that nicotine was perfectly safe and you had nothing to worry about it. The scientific consensus was that bleeding you with leeches was a great health practice. So fuck you about your science and whatever. More about the arrogance about your science because yeah. it's like keep an open mind to stuff. Using science, great, but stay humble and and keep your mind open because the bottom line is that once you start dismissing everything with this arrogant fashion like it's unscientific it is blah 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 it's like hang on you know yes draw your conclusion based on the available evidence that's the healthy thing that anybody can do don't get too cocky there because the odds are very good that a bunch of things that you believe to be scientifically accurate today will be shown to be absolute bullshit 100 years from
1: now. Almost certainly.
2: So let's take it easy. You know, so like that's why in the cases of when people take a case like the whole debate, which I'm not going to go into specifics, but the whole debate about vaccines, how, uh, you know, the scientific consensus is vaccines are good for you. End of story. You know, there's, uh, there's the rare minor exemption how it's bad, but And then there's a whole bunch of people who argue not so fast. There's uh, the whole idea that they're maybe connected to autism or a few other things. And the debate there becomes a faith-based one where you have people on one side arguing against vaccine in one sense, but then the people who argue for it, they argue about it in the wrong fashion because it's all about, and, you know, peer-reviewed studies have ruled this. It's like a lot of the evidence that they go by is evidence that a was paying for the studies b you're probably right because i mean a lot of people around the world have vaccines all the time and they are totally healthy so your good chances are but are you 101 percent sure that it's that what you're saying is true for all cases everywhere in the world i'm not saying it's not i'm saying a little less arrogant please
1: yeah you got to leave that room for doubt here and there and it's funny as soon as you get these Hardcore scientists, mm-hmm. they sound a lot like the uh, hardcore Bible thumpers, that they know the truth, this is the truth, yeah. that there is no questioning it, and how dare you question it? Absolutely. Because you're absolutely right over and over again. I mean, in 1925, they would point to these fuzzy blobs in the sky and call them nebulas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they were galaxies. Right. We just hadn't figured that out yet.
2: Precisely. Same debate that you hear today on uh, about GMOs. A lot particularly among in the libertarian crowd the argument is gmos have never been proved unsafe right. so gmos are just the best thing ever it's cool it's wonderful and science is behind it and i'm like again easy there i'm not saying they are bad and evil and it's all about i'm not saying the opposite either but whoa slow down a second and consider the implication maybe you're right in which case there's nothing to worry about everything is great maybe the fact that you are completely changing the food supply in a very drastic fashion over the last few years, um, maybe you want to think about the possibility that what if you are wrong? And what if maybe even you're right, but other people want to know because of their own weird superstition, they want to know what it is anyway. Well, yeah. give them the fucking right, whether you believe it's a superstition or not. So my thing is I'm really bugged with the number of people who seem so certain in their conclusion, even when it's based on, a, not just on a religious dogma, but for based on so-called science. Well,
1: those guys get nutty, too, because they'll say, well, we're only changing these two genes, right. are, and any given sampling of pollen shifting can be thousands of different genes getting mm-hmm. shifted. You can't let that just go on willy-nilly out there. you know. And the genes these guys are messing with, who the fuck said a seedless watermelon was okay right can we please take a moment to realize what we're messing with mm-hmm. and maybe we are switching off the wrong thing and if we find ourselves 50 years from now with no plant that can produce a seed anymore because some asshole didn't want to spit some goddamn seeds out this is madness and
2: and that's For the point right there you know it's like you want to do that go for it, but make sure you leave a big safety net in case what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. You want to create the fish that can cook itself or whatever the fuck, or you want to create the thing, go for it. As long as you make sure that in the balance of things, you're also keeping the way things were done before alive and you're not replacing it only to find out that, oops, we screwed up and suddenly you have a big problem.
1: Now, speaking of big problems, the, uh, The word on the bees is coming in. Right. And it's looking complicated Mm -hmm. and all kinds of fucked up. It's fungicides, pesticides, altered pollens Mm -hmm. that if you introduce just a little bit of this pollen into a healthy colony, they collapse. Right. And, you know, I think it's wheat and barley are pretty much the only things that don't need to be pollinated. So Mm -hmm. if you want to live in a world with no apples, I mean, we already got none of the black rhinos from that certain point of Africa. I just don't want to hang out and watch us check things off one by one over the next 20 years. And in the meantime, you're saying, well,
2: the science hasn't fully proven that there's a link between pesticide and bees. So we should keep dumping a bunch of toxins. It's like, oh, easy. Sometimes easy. you got to put the brakes on. Yeah, that's why, like, Right to, then. Play it safe. You know, maybe you're right, but play it safe. It's a lot better to play it safe and find out that you could go a little further than going too far only to discover it too late and go like, oh, shit, maybe we
1: should have thought about it a little more earlier. It's always a fun situation when you find yourself on the other side of the argument you always think you're on. Like, mm-hmm. you know me, I'm the astronomy nerd. Sure. So I will find myself amongst a lot of learned folks that are hardcore scientists. Mm-hmm. And it seems... That kind of coincides with being a soulless bastard, too, that believes when my time is up, I shut down and I'm done for good. Right. And it's almost creepy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how these guys, just like the other side, is completely convinced I'm going to walk in a city of gold with the Lord. They're almost the same thing. They're they're invert mirror images of each other.
2: Absolutely. And that's actually where I want to go next with the rant.
1: Well, I was just guessing that. It's just funny that at the end of the day, I find myself once again in the middle of I know I don't know, mm-hmm. and I'd much rather play it safe. Of sure, that's possible, and yes, this is possible, and I'm going to lean towards the things that I have more of a belief in. Yeah. But I've never really been anybody to completely shit on somebody's ideas unless they're super crazy.
2: Yeah, that's the um, I, I really don't like Socrates as uh, in ancient Greek philosophy, at least as it's reported by Plato. But uh, the cool one of the cool stories about Socrates was how the Oracle at Delphi, you know, the Oracle being like this one priest or priestess—I think it was a priestess at Delphi—but um, who was um, possessed by the god and uh, would uh, speak with the voice of the gods, and so an oracle, right? Because it's not a human speaking; it's like the channeling spirit thing. possession channeling, right? And the story goes that Delphi Oracle had stated that Socrates was the wisest of all men. And Socrates was like, no, I'm not. I'm a dumb fuck. He's like, I'm not the wisest of all men. And so I'm gonna prove the oracle wrong and I'm gonna around and find somebody wiser. And the process was the tale is that as he went from person to person to person around among some of the famous learned people of his day, he realized shit maybe i am because these guys are so full of shit but what makes me the wisest person on earth is that um i know that i don't know shit whereas all of these guys think that they know and then when you go look into it the basis of their knowledge is as weak as it gets and so this idea that not knowing accepting the limits of your knowledge is actually a sign of great wisdom is an interesting one and back to what you were saying a minute ago about the you find people arguing opposite things they end up looking very much like each other at times like that's one of the problems with me and the whole uh, new way taste thing that you see is uh, which a lot of the times i get thrown in the mix by people who see my stuff they're like you don't like organized religion so you're clearly on this side of the spectrum and i mean in some ways yes like i'll read certain books and i find them funny and they are cool and i dig them like You take people like Christopher Hitchens or Sam Harris or more so those guys than Richard Dawkins, I'm more bored with, but in any case. But you're not uh, out charging your crystals in the sun every morning either. No, but that's the thing is like these guys, one of the problems I have with some of these guys is that even when I agree with their stuff, for the most part and i think that they have really good points and i agree about some of the criticisms that they have of organized religion you know so good so so far so good that stuff is all good and stuff but i haven't heard one word out of them regarding creating something else creating an alternative to like their whole thing is about how uh, religion sucks and organized religion is bad and evil because of this and this and this. And, you know, 90% of what they say, I agree with. And at the end of the day, it's like, so fucking what? What is that you are proposing that's better than this stuff? And the proposing part is so damn weak most Whoa. of the time. It's like destroying is not good enough. You need to be rebuild on the smoking ruins and show, create something better. Because that's the whole point of tearing out the dogma is that it leaves space. For something cooler and better to be created. But if you stop at the destruction of just destroying the dogma and then all you gotta tell me is, well, yeah. uh, we should use reason. It's like, are you kidding me? That's supposed to be the answer to that's is better than superstition. But that's very far back to the whole scientism thing. Reason in itself can be an interesting tool, but nothing more than that.
1: And we've got so many people, especially these days, as we well know, that just Mm -hmm. love to shit on things. Shit, 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 shit. And not suggestion one of how you might fix anything. You know, tearing religion down is a pretty easy thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think we have always agreed that there are giant chunks of it that are very important to people. And I don't think we'd ever want to take that away. And for many folks, just the fellowship of having somebody who's your friend that Mm -hmm. you see every Sunday, you know, keeps people from a very lonely existence. So those sort of things are very important. The camaraderie is important. And just, well, it's this, that, and the other. Please have a suggestion, have something more than you're wrong. I know you yeah. are. And listen to my, look at the steak oil I'm selling. Cause it's vanilla flavor <laughs> criticism.
2: You know, critical intelligence is important clearly to, in order to break down the stuff that people feed you as gold when it's crap and yet Critical intelligence by itself is very limited because it doesn't give life to anything. It's only good to say no to something. Yeah. And it's important to be able to say no to the right things. But it's also freaking important to be able to not only say yes but create an alternative. Create be you sure an to answer. make
1: something of your own before yeah. you go dumping on somebody else.
2: Exactly. That's why I love uh, um guy like Thomas Paine. Yes. A hundred times more than any of the new atheists writing. Yep. Because unlike most of these guys Payne dedicates some time to a more positive view too after telling you the seven million things he doesn't like about revealed religions he also offers you a vision of what uh, real religion to him is and it clearly wouldn't be recognized as call it, call it a worldview his worldview he has a worldview that's not just based on saying those guys are wrong now personally i find that the amount of space that Thomas Paine dedicate to the positive part is too little compared to the negative one but still at least there is a positive part you know and I love the negative one you know when he hammers on what's wrong with organized religion is brilliant a lot of new atheists do something similar but on top of that he does have a positive part that interests me and that's why for me I think people have a hard time with like a book like my book like create your own religion is a difficult one to place because if i'm hammering on organized religion oh clearly you are in the new atheist camp right and if instead you are using uh, wait, create a religion you're not just breaking shit up it's like wait then you are some kind of a religious fanatic and because the usual dualistic mentality is those are the alternatives there's nothing else other than those and no it's something else it's a different approach that's not based uh it's not either or at all it's a now is taoist game of taking the best from different approaches here
1: did you see the novice last uh, just the last few days is this- Reza Aslan has a book out. um He's a Muslim guy, mm-hmm. but he had the audacity to write a book about Jesus. You know, I saw that clip on thing,
2: and granted, the Fox News lady was like painfully stupid. To it,
1: a that's really what it was.
2: He hurt me. At the same time, I really dislike that dude. I don't even know what he says, but when you go 52 times in a row about, because you know, I am a PhD and I have these credentials, that's why I'm like. That's exactly where I was You going. deserve the Fox lady. You know, <laughs> fuck you. And I just didn't like him either. And um, granted, you know, it doesn't take much to be better than the Fox news lady. But shit, I didn't get a good vibe from it either. Yeah.
1: She, and they kind of deserved each other. Yeah, big time. Well, that's exactly the feeling I got. That's but, hilarious. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because I've heard you mention many times in the past that the guy uh, that's polishing his PhD is usually... Fuck. You know, I have have four advanced degrees, you know. (laughs) Let me slap you eight times for that
2: right there, you know. It's like, (laughs) yeah, that that shit just doesn't fly with me. But um, yeah, it was interesting. When I did 50 Things uh, You're Not Supposed to Know About Religion, I had one of the chapters was, um, I think the title, if I remember correctly, was um, Hardcore Atheist and Religious Fundamentalist Are Twins Separated at Birth and i remember gary my publisher was like how about we don't do that one how really? about we skip that one because it's like we want to sell books to somebody and if you are hammering all the <laughs> religious folks then your <laughs> audience is gonna be more on the atheist side don't fuck with the guys who are gonna buy your book and i was like yeah fine i see your point but at the same time yeah, I mean, I do see it and it makes sense because one is easier to market than another book. It's you are against organized religion. Okay, that's simple. That's easy to market. It's complicated. Is like we create your own religion. It's like you are against uh, 95% organized religion, but you're also against a hardcore uh, fuck everything that has to do with religion or spirituality approach. I'm against that as well. How do you market that? Because you're not... you're. You are neither black or white in that sense, and you confuse people. Whereas to me, <laughs> where you confuse is where actually the good stuff is, where the juice is, because life is neither this or that. For so, sure. But that's my rant. So after pissing off um, atheists, um, pro science crowd, New, uh, Agers, New Agers, the Catholics course, as always. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, people who don't like gladiators. No. There can't be too many of them. Um I guess our rant of the day has gone well.
0: I have a dream today. And
1: now we cross the plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Now when we last left Dream Time, the orgasm counting gnome was oh, busy yes. ringing his bell. And you wouldn't believe what happened next. And Please th- tell! and gnome
2: came back to more dreams i don't know what the fuck is up with me and gnomes
1: but it could be a new travelocity sponsorship
2: yes it's like yeah and you this is another gnome dream which i swear i'm not obsessed with gnomes even though apparently i am over the last couple of months in my subconscious but so here is what happened i um (laughs) (laughs) this is a gnome update yeah, in this one dream, there was this one guy who was um, some random faceless guy. No, I mean, it has a face, but it's nobody I recognize, nobody I necessarily see. I'm not identifying with this guy, so it's not. it's like watching a movie. It's not so much I'm um, part of it. And this guy is walking into a public bathroom, and as he walks into this, uh, I guess, was inspired by being in Italy, kind of like small, uh, tiny, one-bathroom that you would have in a restaurant kind of thing. So it's a small space. It's not like a big thing with a bunch of stalls and that kind of stuff. He walks up to the public bathroom, and he sees this sign in front of him as he's about to take a piss that says something <coughs> along the lines, we remind our customers that the goal of the game here is to piece inside the toilet, and in case you don't take this goal seriously and you think that pissing outside of it is no big deal, then we invite you to take a look behind you. You see that crack in the wall behind you? Be warned that an angry gnome lives inside of it, and if any of your drops misses the toilet and end up on the floor, the gnome will emerge brandishing a burning spear and will shove it up your ass. So please, make sure you don't piss on the floor. And the dude is going like, ha, ha, ha. You know, he reads it. He's like, ah, oh, that's funny. He Bring prob- it on, gnome. probably pieces partially on the floor. And before we do it, I'm seeing the dream from in front of him as if it was like a camera in a movie. I'm seeing his face. I don't really see what's behind. But all of a sudden, I see his face go, oh! hey! you know, hides open wide open. And he's like, oh. <laughs> And I guess the spear, <laughs> the burning spear brandishing gnome is a considerably meaner one that the orgasm-counted gnome for last time. But that's where we went. I'm truly hoping that we will not have gnomes next month. And during time, I'm hoping that gnomes have run their wave as far as they go, but you never know. My subconscious is apparently quite intrigued with the diminutive little fucks.
1: Yeah, they seem to be hanging out with you a little bit. Yep. I've been listening for bells on occasion when the opportunity arises, and I think I'm actually hearing them. And, of course, around me, it's more like a fire alarm. (laughs) I see. That's how it goes, huh? Yeah. There's a lot
0: of bells ringing.
1: Nice. So it's time to take another dip into the digital mailbag, but before we get completely started, uh, Mr. Randy Johnson sent us an uh, email, and he said he thought that I was talking down to the audience.
2: You talk down to me all the time. What's he talking about?
1: Yeah, but you're the audience. That's what people <laughs> don't understand. I guess they don't get it, but we literally sit here and stare at each other while we talk this, so yep. we aren't talking down, but... My friends out in the audience, I you, you guys are the reason we do this. So I don't feel that we're talking down to you. And if in any way, Randy, you feel like I was talking down to you, buddy, I apologize. Because you were an awesome pitcher all those years. <laughs> the big unit, Randy Johnson, not talking down to you so that's all cleared up I tried to email him but it bounced back so I was just concerned that he might have thought I was not only talking down to him but ignoring him as well now we're really ratcheting
0: things up
2: you know what would help though in uh, like examples because otherwise it's like okay how am i talking down but if he gives you examples then maybe it either you can say no i'm not or it may suddenly go hey that was actually a good point for
1: that one time exactly yeah. and it's strange you mention it because my email actually read if you happen to remember a specific incident i would definitely love to hear
2: yeah absolutely because that's Cause the, it could have been a moment yeah of course i mean anytime with criticism it's always good to be specific the way one can realize oh yes I see a pattern or no you're talking out of your ass or yes there was that one time but no there is no pattern or you know something because otherwise it's, um, it's a yes I am, no I'm not and it's like it yeah, doesn't
1: help that doesn't help at all but no, nothing intentional for sure guys so yeah if you can pick it out I'd love to hear it
2: yep so send um, Rich the 7 million ways in which oh, you... what have we
1: started yeah
2: good luck with that <laughs> Another question oh, this is quick because i actually don't know shit about it but we'll have um let's have four today and let's see what's up eric asked me about the church of the latter day dude the religion inspired by the movie the big lebowski have you heard of it before and what are your thoughts
0: what <laughs> the fuck is with this guy who is he
2: um watch the movie forever ago I've barely heard about sort of the whole church of Latter Day do. I thought he was funny. I thought he was a cool, but no, I don't know enough about to have a serious full discussion. So I didn't want to totally ignore it and all right. through. I think I try writing. I'm, I can't remember if I try writing back and it bounced back and I didn't get through, but I wanted at least to address that. Yes, I got it. and Not enough for me to run with. So sorry about that.
0: There's just one thing, dude. What's that?
1: You have to use so many cuss words. The fuck are you talking about? But hopefully they're using a white Russians instead of a wine right. for the sacraments.
0: Hey, careful, man! There's a beverage here,
1: huh? The dude will abide, and he did
2: like his white Russians. Oh, on the sacrament thing. Sorry, flashback from Italy. In the seven million churches where you walk by and you go in, cause sometimes the architecture is amazing and all of that. There's always the little um, thing of holy water when you walk in, except that when you look at it, it's like the grossest thing on earth, because everyone so has dropping been their dropping fingers their at- fingers in for the last 12 hours. So on. you see this muddy grayish water that people's beer all over. They're like, Jesus, you know, it's like <laughs> the miracle of this water is that you don't fall dead when you touch it, because it's. Some of it is bizarre, but...
1: Science actually got the whole idea of the Black Plague wrong. It wasn't the rats at all. Right. It was people (laughs) blessing themselves with rancid holy water. Yeah. Wow. How do you think that would be somebody's job? You know, every 20 minutes, run out there and hose that shit out.
2: Change a little. Yeah, it was disturbing. And not everywhere. There are a few churches where it looks clean and it looks good. And the other ones were like, oh, my God, this thing hasn't been changed in three months. This is nasty. (laughs) but yeah on that note and i don't remember if i actually did use it when we had the episode about caravaggio but there's a cool caravaggio story about holy water if i did use it again well good repetition but there's this tale of caravaggio walking into this church and somebody said telling him oh go cleanse yourself with the holy water because it will cleanse you of all your venial sins and caravaggio goes like venial sins meaning the minor ones right venial sins well, then it's no use. It's no good to me because all my sins are mortal. And I was like, that's
1: badass. We're all over the place today. Can't what? you tell that I missed them, everybody? And I know y'all missed them too. So remember, dig deep and put that collection... Oh, wait, I'm in the wrong place again.
2: <laughs> Number two. Um. Oh, this is going to be an interesting one. I got actually three different emails roughly dancing around the same thing by different people. They were all about men from their 18 through 35 roughly asking about advice in regard of to put it mildly very lack of experience with women mm. and uh, what to do you know how to break the ice because you know it, it sucks if you haven't if you don't have experience then the first time you're around some super hot woman who's into you you've there's a lot of weird stuff that goes through your brain, then you put too much pressure on the situation. You're bound to fuck things up because you are um, you're stressed, rightfully so. You Especially know, if your
1: main exposure is a lot of rancid porn that doesn't really That doesn't anything. help either, that right? Help at all.
2: And even if you're not, it's just the pressure of shit. Nothing has happened in forever and now there's this So I can see how that could be
1: troubling. Now, before I give my advice I, it comes with a warning. <laughs> The following advice is very dangerous, wildly, wildly successful, and maybe more than you can possibly handle. So before we stand into the Bolelli smooth section, be warned, my friends, you may get exactly what you've asked for. And th- that's
2: very true. And be warned that my advice may be A, entirely wrong, B, definitely illegal in 49 and a half states, and uh, C, some would argue immoral with this warning in mind my personal advice for the situation described by this gentleman is goddesses of mercy otherwise known as professional hookers now it's not even just about sex because it's about getting comfortable around hot women getting comfortable with sex in a situation where you're not uh, you don't feel that the you are being judged or somebody's looking at what you're gonna do or how amazing you're gonna rock their world all of that is you are with a lady who's doing that for a living who's getting paid who doesn't expect anything out of you other than you to be a nice human being to her and just paying money and not being a dick about it and then it's all about you getting comfortable and nothing else. Again, in half a state, in half of Nevada, all of this is legal, in legalized brothels. Everywhere else in the United States, definitely legal. Mm, depending on where you are in the world, most places in the world are illegal, some legal. In legal any, in Germany. Is it? I know that. There's a billion brothels there now. Uh, and by the way, yeah, that's also a big difference between brothels or places where you can have some kind of idea of what you're getting into versus street prostitution which is a completely different story or like is the difference in the u.s between like call cool girls versus uh street stuff radically different what you're getting into and one may be considerably healthier than other under every point of view but in any case point being is if you do end up in a situation where you can be in a safe environment with some hot woman, who's really more like a massage therapist, really, except that it's sex rather than massage, but it's... Personally, I don't find it immoral. I really cannot fucking see why it would be legal in 49 and a half states. And um, I don't know. I mean, my person... This is I'm just thinking me that's exactly what i would do in their shoes because uh you don't want to put that kind of pressure on uh, anyone non-professional woman who suddenly are dumping all your stress and paranoia about sexuality or intimacy with a woman or closeness 20 years of stressing about it you dump it on this poor woman who's like so my personal thing is uh and go the other route. I remember I wrote these to one of the guys uh, who wrote I never heard back from him. Because <laughs> he's been they, busy uh, saving his money. Either that, that's the optimistic view, which I hope is true, <laughs> or the other one is that he went, shit, I asked for advice and you're sending me to hookers. What the hell? This is, there's something seriously wrong with you. Well, again.
1: you know, I think the advice is pretty sound. Don't get yourself arrested, fellas, for no. sure. But I'm sure you could find something if you looked gently or
2: travel to nevada
1: but it's the um the pay it forward idea as well no that the nice lady that this fellow meets five years from now when he does have his confidence and does know his way around the hood Mm -hmm. um is going to be way more successful and uh that future lady friend will probably appreciate that i don't recommend telling her where you got your experience because that could lead to a little trouble which, even that is weird, by the way, because you are way more likely to catch some random
2: STDs from a one night stand with somebody on the street just for the hell of it than you are from some professional deal where it's like super strict about condoms and this and that. So it, it really makes no sense in that way. But from a moral standpoint, because people have issues with this stuff, yes, it may be not the wisest to share too much of the details. But at the same time, you know, oddly enough, is. And again, it's more than about sex. It's about closeness to a to a woman. Not so much about you know getting off this one time. That helps you in limited fashion. though What it really helps is about. It's, it's kind of weird. It's like if you are in a situation where suddenly you know that if you want you can have sex with some incredibly hot person. Yeah. Now the when you are around somebody who's hot, you don't have that pressure because you don't need what they have. It's like I can have that anytime I want in another fashion. And that removes the pressure, and you can be yourself around uh, some super hot one rather than being all driven by need. And I want it. I really want that. I really, really. It's like relax, man. You can, if that's what it's about, you can go somewhere else. And instead, let's just
1: it it, it takes the pressure away. It really does. You know, I think this sex thing is going to catch on. It seems wildly popular. I guess it's the reason we're all here. Y- you think huh? pretty deep huh yeah um, i dug deep on that one i'm very impressed That probably will never see the light of day y'all
2: now um patrick ask us let's see what was patrick ask us um what are some of the tools and methods we can use to combat loss of motivation i often start something and love it but quickly lose interest even with things that i know are beneficial to me um I have trouble keeping a healthy diet. Sometimes I struggle to get motivated to train and work out and you know, this is a million other examples. Bottom line, the fact is is the same thing in all of them, right? How do you break the cycle of lack of uh, discipline? Because that's what it boils down to. to Quit do. smoking
1: all that herb.
2: Yeah, that helps. But um or you know, you're not disciplined enough about smoking irregularly, right? The no, the thing is to me i take it as um not that i'm gonna do that but i think like i would my attitude is once i decide that something is it and needs to be done uh either as a one-time thing or as a regular thing at that point i think of it samurai style so failure to live up to this would require me to either yakuza style to chop my pinky off or samurai style to stick a sword in my stomach and open up from side <coughs> to side. Now, am I gonna do that if I fuck up? No, I'm not. But I think the way as a visual image to emphasize to my subconscious that we're we're serious about this business. You know, this is it's not joking around here, and so to. In a way, meditate to think about the how badly you're willing to, how far you're willing to go in order to get this stuff done because it's important to you. Going over it day in and day out for me it helps. It's one thing to just say oh, I should do that, but should never get you anywhere. It's another thing to imagine if I don't get this stuff done this week in this fashion. I need to jump off a building. And again, you're not going to jump off a building. Shit happens. Maybe you don't get stuff done. But think like you are in terms of having this hardcore determination. Um, It's really like a muscle. It's a matter of practice. Because, I mean, if you want something, it means you are willing to put a lot down. It's just a matter of repeating that motivation throughout the day and emphasizing how damn serious it is. Uh, it works differently for some people for some people you need to put the accent on the positive of what you're going to get out by doing that thing and that's what's going to motivate you for me ritual suicide apparently motivates me but you know (laughs) it doesn't have to be your thing but whatever it is the one thing and you keep repeating it to yourself you keep visualizing it you keep going there and that's what uh, it's a discipline in itself to kind of start that fire that then is what makes you go for it
1: I guess you do want to be a little bit careful, though. You don't want to punish yourself too much if you fall off the wagon. Of course. And D- if I did Just a get very... back and go again.
2: But this is somebody who tells you that falls off a lot. Yeah. Then you need to tilt the balance more towards strict and kick yourself in the ass if you don't get it done. Right. If you are somebody who's constantly whipping themselves for not being perfect, then I would say the opposite thing. I would say, hey, he's off a little bit, you know, relax but that's not the person who's asking this, yeah. you know? So it's, it's really a matter of balance, absolutely. No, I agree with you.
1: There's the balance again.
2: It always is. Uh, last for today, um, Anton Massoni from, who writes us from Indonesia, of all places.
1: Sweet, another pin in the map.
2: Yeah. Oh, a pin in the map, I'll, uh, I'll mention some uh, later on as well. Um, Anton asks about, how do people i guess this is very much related to the previous one it's funny how sometimes we get questions that people are catching the same vibe in different parts of the world it is about how do people decide to commit to doing something beneficial or otherwise like uh, quit smoking or practice a martial art regularly what is that makes habits stick rather than just being fleeting goals or decisions that only last temporarily uh, is it your conscious ability to recognize that a particular pattern in your life no longer serves you, and so do you? How do you commit to a permanent change? Um, you know, it's basically dancing around the same thing that we went with the previous one, just in different fashion, but is not as dramatic as the way the as the previous one put it but it's the same concept of and really this boiled down to discipline which we have said this before on the podcast is a very unsexy word whoever created it could have used some pr work because it's like <laughs> discipline it's like it's the kind of word that just when you say it, everybody's butt clinches a little harder because it's like oh. Discipline, Jesus, I don't know. To do that. You know, it's like, it doesn't sound good. At the same time, is what's, it's the difference between wishing and doing stuff. Um, anybody can, you know, we all wish for certain shit to happen, but none of that is going to happen unless you not only put your intention to make it happen, but sure. then you put in the grant work. And the grant work is really about a mental toughness that you need to develop who really like a muscle like nothing else about putting in the time going in when you feel like it when you don't feel like it because if you wait to do the stuff that's good to you only when you are in the mood for it yeah good luck with that you'll never have do fun. it have fun there's uh, in I Am Bruce Lee I, I remember um, there was this one line that somebody used about their jujitsu practice who um, fuck I forgot his name right now the guy from Married with Children um the lead guy from not at o'neill yeah yeah him he was saying now um his thing about jujitsu was 90 percent of the time he wouldn't feel like going in and so his thing was just get through the door just get through the door get through the door get through always feel
1: better when you're leaving when yeah. it's over and the swimming pool is that way with me exactly don't want to go but every time i finish it's like
2: absolutely and so it's not even about thinking it's like when you run you know what I mean when you're running and you get bored to death and you're tired and it hurts if you think I have to run five more miles you'll never run them because it's like are you kidding me I'm dying now are you asking me (laughs) to run five miles from now hell no it's like you say come on you can give me another four minutes okay just give me four minutes by the time you get to the end of the four minutes you're like come on you have two more in you I'm not asking for the moon just two more and then you keep pushing it that way. And before you know it, it's like, oh, shit, five miles have gone by. But you can do it by putting the big goal right away because it's too overwhelming. It feels too far. You're not going to do it. It's kind of like, I don't know. If, he, if he's about, I'm going to go and become an amazing black belt. And after a while, you're like, fuck, it's so tiring. I don't have it in me. I feel crappy. I feel... It's like, don't even think of that far. Just get through the damn door. Start doing the stuff that you committed to doing and keep at it and there's something about stupid repetition there's something powerful about it so just you don't have to be in the greatest frame of mind to get the benefits you just have to get through the process and so in that sense it really boils down to uh, unsexy discipline which
1: is what does the trick it's funny how quitting things is often the same way that if you think oh I'll never have another cigarette for the yeah, rest of my life. No. Well, then you're doomed. Yeah. Just get through the next hour. Yeah, precisely. I it's, made it through this day. That day the, leads to a week. The next thing is a month, and holy fuck, you did it for a year. If you do for a year, you've won. It's the AA thing, right? One day at a time. It really That's, is. It seems silly and simple, but yeah. Because is all you have power on, realistically, is... Um, and don't worry about next week because you may not be here next week. Precisely.
2: What do you worry about that
0: shit for?
1: Yep, yep,
2: yeah. About one step at a time. I mean, there's even there's a Tao Te Ching line that's about uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Yep. And that's really what it's about. It's uh, that one step is all you have
1: power on. If you start thinking about a thousand miles, you're never going to do it. And you better learn to enjoy the ride anyway because yep. the destination tends to never make anybody happy. Yep. <laughs>
2: together Okay, ready? We're running away from the from bad boy. <laughs> okay, now you do it <laughs> We're
0: running away from the bad <laughs> I
1: love you, baby Isabella time. Now, is this the Italian edition? Because is this her first trip over? or she No, been on second her before? one.
2: She had been there when uh, she was right before she turned two because the evil Buster to run airlines. Now they let you kid there will uh, go for free if they are less than two years old oh. but the second, they, it used to be that like 2 to 13 they paid like very minimal amount and there's like 25% of a ticket or something or 50 or so. now it's like 90% of a ticket is like a mild discount on a full one and it's like, Jesus can you imagine like a family of or something you're paying insane prices to travel
1: i can barely get us to the movies and there's five of us no it's god forbid it's 3d yeah yeah. how did um what's that flight like
2: from la do you
1: go through new york and then do you bounce through i
2: went through um, london and then uh, london uh, milan but yeah it's long man it's really long and isabella decided not to sleep at all other than two hours out of the 14 or whatever it is oh, is like that's the way it's i handle advanced. long travel is just good night yeah wake me up when we land yeah that's not how we work not I with children i think i left a total of half hour between going and coming back
0: hey
1: man you only have like 15 more years of
2: that screw you I'll, uh <laughs> <laughs> so the more recent isabella's moments there's um well I think they are actually since we came back, just the last few days. One was funny, just the other day there was this uh, curious interaction with some uh, neighborhood kids where they got together and they started each one, you know, little people singing their cute little songs and their favorite thing, and one kid sang the theme from My Little Pony, which was sweet, Uh, another one sang a Cinderella song, another one sang Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and Isabella decided it was a good idea to think to sing about breaking rocks in the hot sun and robbing people with my six gun because it turns out that I fought the law by the Clash is now one of her new favorite songs. And incidentally, she also loves My Little Pony and she's definitely not against Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but you know her taste is eclectic, I guess. So it was, uh, but hearing a four-year-old singing about robbing people with a six gun was interesting. It seemed to go right over the head of the other kids, so I dodged that
1: bullet. But but isn't there always some mama that gets all freaked out that she was not a London Calling fan by any stretch of imagination? Yeah, that could be bad. There's that Boleli girl again. Jesus
2: Christ, that one. And on that note, speaking of musical taste, and in this case it's not taste, it's musical advice, I guess, that um, Isabella at one point told me that uh, we have to write a letter to Katy Perry. I'm like, do tell why because she's afraid that miss perry may not be private to the knowledge that one can cast like a sailor if they are within one's home but definitely not outside of it mm. and so fearful that miss katy perry may get in trouble with her teachers isabella tell me that we should let her know that she can't really use the word bitch as in quoted in hot and cold uh, if she sings outside of her home, it's all good. So, if anybody has Katy Perry address, well, sadly please. we
1: had her in front of the microphone a week ago for the Smurfs premiere. I wish you have, we could have solved this.
2: Yes, we should have let her know. But um, yes, she was a lovely lady, by the way. So yeah, I think she would have taken son. that to heart. I'm sure I would have. Um, but I think I told. Oh, maybe I didn't tell you, and I probably didn't tell anybody near. But. This was the um, one incident that was disturbing when she walked up at um, at her daycare. She walked up to a teacher and decided to sing uh, a piece of a Katy Perry song. It's,
1: we can go back in the archives and, and retell I that story. That, we have yeah, mentioned that one that, for sure.
2: When she started singing uh, I PMS Like a Bitch I Should Know, I was like,
1: Jesus, not that. Mm. I'll never forget. But, I had no idea because I was probably in the fifth grade or so, but mm-hmm. I had the big steve martin record back in the day and um he used to just in his act he would say hey there's a little child in the audience how old is that little child the people say you oh, know he's too, oh, two. i got a joke for him these two lesbians are going down the street and everybody would laugh right. so obviously that's hilarious yeah. yeah so my grandparents come to visit and i decided to go put on this hilarious steve martin act nice have a fake audience there in front of me. Oh, there's a little child in the audience. How old is that child? Two. Got a joke for him. These two lesbians go down. Lesbians. My grandmother was not impressed. She was not, and a she step. did not smile or laugh. One, of course, the woman didn't really smile or laugh at any point in her life at all that I'm aware of. But this was definitely not one of her favorite moments. And then it just blew up from there. That obviously there was bad parenting going on, and how would a child of uh, in the fifth grade, possibly know, You know, if she had had any idea, I knew about Rod Stewart's fifteen gallons of cum down his throat by then, which somehow went across the country. Those of you from the 70s, you all remember this. It it, it went like wildfire. We had no internet. We couldn't even make long-distance calls because they're too damn expensive. But somehow, every second grader in the country knew that Rod Stewart uh, had to have his stomach pumped because of his... And Rod, this is all allegedly. I apologize. By the way, the new record. What the fuck are you thinking, man? You are 70-something years old. Hang it the fuck up. Where did we get here from? Anyway, um, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, I, what I think I was trying to say is I, I think something I think uh Gretz and I did really well also is a great eclectic base of music is so important. Yeah, she should be liking a Katy Perry yeah. record. And by God, she should hear a class record once in a while. And I'm sure there's been a Beatles record or two spun. And we already know that the Bob Marley is wildly. She's going to have a great bass. I'll have another one then on the list
2: for today's stuff music related this i was on the floor because at one point she looked at me and she goes your love gets me so high which it's pretty funny said by a four-year-old <laughs> and it was clearly actually a quote from a dirty heads song that's as the refrain which by the way awesome group i'm really digging them but yeah which you never know maybe for maybe she did mean it as it was it wasn't a
1: quote but it was enjoyable to say the least was that the dank sticky stuff or is that with the seedy <laughs> stemmy not sure yet okay. but um now stay away from that young lady that's th- what college is for
2: the um, and on a somewhat i don't know i mean i find it was funny but that's because i have a very dark sense of humor but uh <laughs> she um the last of the weird interactions of the last few days i told their um we were playing we we're having fun and i'm like isabel i'm so happy to play with you right now she looked at me she gave me a big smile and she's like and i'm so happy you didn't die yet and i was like okay that was an interesting i mean i'm happy i didn't die either so boo well, that's two of us but what the fuck I don't
1: know, man. You got to admit, though, she does have sort of a special circumstance with that one.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, that's a tough one. That's an interesting. uh,
1: Yeah, that's not definitely. Well, it's not the response I was expecting to to have Any end of that for the next 15 years, man. Right. The the, the response you're expecting is going to be few and far between of landing anywhere in the zone where you're waiting. Yeah, yeah. And once again, the mystery spin again. It's the greatest. Indeed. I know I like to bitch and whine about it, but, you know. I'm two years away from having an empty nest, which seems beyond belief. And the time went by like a, like a, like like that. It just, I don't know where it went, and I miss them like crazy already. And I would do anything to go back and spend two days with each of them when they were three again, because that's kind of a special moment no. where you really can do no wrong. And if you're behaving yourself and, and being a proper person, those should be Unduplicable moments in your life it will not get any better no, of than course that. well, and that's how it should be yes
2: and no, because I mean it there are the awesome moments about it, which I think is what you remember when you're not in them anymore, but then there's also the seven million things that drive oh, you insane no, about it with hundred so it's you know it's like anything else there's yeah. like there's the awesomeness of it all and there's the parts that the, are the drudgery can you just grow up
1: already Jesus? Please. yeah.
2: But oh, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. You're
1: probably going to get
2: it. Big time.
1: Is that all of them?
2: Yep. So we'll jump into, well, closing out with storytelling in about two seconds. Inspired by the fact that somebody sent me the link to, uh, oh, the epic not somebody, the epic Tony Loquasto, one of our most glorious listeners Um, there are some stories about him that are freaking hilarious, but I'll spare for for this moment this is a great guy, in any case thank you Tony for forwarding me the link to the trailer of the movie The 47 Ronin and uh, are, that's how they're calling it I forget if that's a title or not in any case it's a movie about the 47 Ronin story it's uh, Keanu Reeves uh, uh, starring in this movie and it's clearly, I mean the movie itself has not a whole lot to do with the actual history of the 47 Ronin it's uh, very fantasy like but then again it's a movie, what the hell do you expect You know, don't expect a real history from a movie It's uh, the only thing they have in common is that there's 47 of them and it's about revenge so What we're going to play with is the real history, or not, or some history about the 47 Ronin, because the reality of this episode, that is an extremely famous one in Japanese history, is more mythology, nobody knows, historians are kind of unsure about what exactly happened, I mean, something did happen, but the details are sort of lost, and they are more legendary than not, so keep in mind that... That's where the best stories come from, though. Exactly. Keep in mind that this is quasi-historical, and so the movie is definitely zero historical but even the original tale is um, somewhat in the neighborhood of history who knows exactly how much or not in any case here is how the legend is amazing and here is how it goes Our tale takes place in begins at least in 1702 where Lord Azano Nagakori No sorry I fucked up the name right away Azano Naganori gets invited to the imperial court and uh, one of the problems is that he's supposed to host along with another guy they are supposed to host this reception, do this whole thing. There's one of the shogun's official, this guy I better of Kira Yoshinaka, demands bribe. To instruct uh, uh, Azano as well as another guy in proper court etiquette on how to handle the preparation for this ceremony that they are going to have with high officials and everything else. Asano either refuses to give the money or other versions of the tale say that the gifts that he gives don't satisfy Kira. And so Kira kept provoking him into eventually drawing, trying to get him to draw his sword into the shogun's palace, because if you draw a weapon inside the palace, that's a death penalty offense right away. Eventually, he succeeds. Azano loses it and pulls out a dagger, wounds Kira in the process, doesn't kill him, wounds him for this he's immediately given a suicide notice meaning you know out of respect for your rank you're gonna be allowed to take your own life as opposed to being executed but you're done your family is ruined your estate will be confiscated and uh, say goodbye to this life so stick a nice short sword in your stomach mm, dig left and right which by the way if we want to get technical the term harakiri is uh, considered vulgar in Japanese because it's called it's like belly slicing. It's like a bad slang, whereas the proper term is seppuku. But in any case, so story goes that what happens is everybody expects some of Azano's samurais to try to take revenge and uh, what happens instead is that they all go for their separate life now trying to figure out what the hell they are gonna do with their life because they no longer have a lord who pay them being a masterless samurai sucks because there's no money so you become what happens is you become a ronin ronin is the term for a masterless samurai which unlike the romanticism that we have uh, as sort of the legend of the Ronin, the reality of being a Ronin sucked because you're essentially an unemployed samurai and you don't exactly have too many job skills other than chopping people's head off. So you know you need to find somebody who will pay you for it. If you are a master of the samurai, you're starving essentially. So some of these guys, they decide to pick up a bunch of other random jobs to survive in the meantime and try to make it look like they don't care so kira the shogun's official send these spies constantly keeping a tab on every one of them to see what they are doing to see if they are planning something in order to stop them his palace is very much protected and two years go by or in nearly two years where what happens is that this group of 47 out of Azanos samurai get together in secret and swear an oath of revenge and with full knowledge that they'll probably even if successful they'll all have to die but um, they swear this oath of revenge but they want to make sure to kill Kira they don't want to just make a point of uh, we are doing out of honor and they want to make sure to kill the guy they want to be successful so they're going to go about it in a slow methodical way which is highly criticized by the way there's the author of the Hagakure who is one of the classic books of uh, the Bushido Code of the Samurai will hammer on these guys later on in writing by saying that's dishonorable if these guys had any honor they would have who cares about success or failure they should have gone after Kira right then and there immediately and if they failed, they failed but that's an honorable thing all this calculating bullshit to try to um, get to kill Kira is undignified of a samurai. It makes for good revenge, but it's not Bushido. <laughs> uh,
1: come on, man. Relax a little, okay? I'll take it, them. It, There's always somebody that complains about the guerrilla tactics.
0: Yeah,
2: it's just like...
1: They're um, awfully effective. And I see his point. I mean,
2: granted, yeah. there's something about not being overly calculating, but there's also something very satisfying about getting the job done and that's the route that Azano samurai decide to take they, um, they know that Kira's palace is too heavily guarded right then and there out of fear of an attack and so they know that they have to bring the security level down if they want to be successful so for a long time this group of Ronin they disband act as if they are just going on with their lives to throw off Kira's spies their leader, of Oishi, divorced his wife of 20 years in order to avoid troubles for her once he will go through with the whole thing. He sent his younger son with her, whereas he then asked his older son, uh, Chikara, who was 15 years old, whether to, he wants to go with his mom or he wants to fight with his father. He decided to be one of them, so he'll be one of the 47 Ronin. And... Um, After a while, Kira relaxes his guard, thinking that these guys are just dishonorable samurai who are unwilling to avenge their lord and he has nothing to worry about it. Bad idea because January 1703 during a heavy snowstorm the 47 Ronin gathered to, in the meantime by the way they have gone full out like Oishi would get drunk all the time make it look like acting very non samurai fashion in order to reinforce this feeling that this guy was useless there was nothing to worry from him In uh, so in 1703 during a heavy snowstorm the 47 guys get together and attack the castle they uh managed to kill um, uh, a whole 18 of kira's own samurai and defeat the guards they um oishi had given order to kill n- no innocent people so none of the women none of the people who had no weapons and only those who stood in the way of getting Kira. Um, one of the 47 had been sent to carry news that the revenge was successful so there would be one guy less there um, what happens is that they are successful they eventually find Kira hiding away somewhere they offer him a choice out of respect for his rank to kill himself on the spot Kira is such a wimp that he can bring himself up over and over again so eventually Oishi cut off his head with the very same dagger that his master Lord Azano had used to commit seppuku. Um, at that point, they march off to the temple where their Azano's grave was located, and they leave Kira's head as an offering on the grave. Uh, at that point, the um, the response of the population from this story that happened, you know, the four, the remaining forty six run minus the guy who went to carry messages. Turn themselves in and the population is begging the shogun to forgive them to just say mercy let them go but the shogun really can't you know he can't really cut some slack to some people who kill one of his officials like that despite the fact you know he argues the motives were honorable loyalty to their master revenge all of that but you know sorry can make exception what i can do however is not execute them like random criminals I'll give them the choice to die an honorable death through ritual suicide. So they will not be executed, but they still need to die. So the remaining 46 Ronin, including uh, Oishi's son, who by now was 16, uh, they all perform seppuku, take their own life by their own sword, uh, eventually by the way the 47th guy will be pardoned once they track him down because long time has gone by so by that point nobody cares anymore so these the 47th guy will live until old age but there are, the other 46 all commit ritual suicide they are all buried in the temple right next to their lord There is an interesting tale about a guy who had run into oishi when uh, oishi was playing his cover act of being a drunkard of just womanizing of not caring about anything and this dude that is insulted Oishi, saying, You're a coward, how dare you, you know, you dishonor the memory of your master. And Oishi had taken it, right? And just accepted it all and went with it. Once all the story came out, after Oishi, along with the other guys, killed himself, this man showed up on Oishi's grave begged for forgiveness, and he committed seppuku and killing himself out of the dishonor of the whole thing. These guys really were into ritual society, in Hell, case you guys yeah. haven't gotten this so far.
1: Now, in now, now the forty-six. 46- did themselves in? Yeah. Were they all in one area?
2: As or, far as I know.
1: So it's like a big field or something and everybody yep. picked a nice spot and yep, see you fellas later? And by
2: the way, in case you're wondering, when the whole ritual suicide is not done by one person, there are two people. There's the guy who stick, the you sticking a sword in your... Actually, it's not even a sword, it's a big knife essentially is a short sword that you stick in your own stomach and twist and turn because it's a horrendously excruciating death what happens is that you have a trusted guy usually a close friend who's um, right behind you and when they see the first signs that you're losing it in terms of um, you know the pain is too much and uh, you know Japanese being Japanese they're very worried about decor Mm -hmm. so if your face is getting too twisted or something and you're gonna die with a unseemly expression on your face your sweet friend behind you is going to chop your head off with a samurai sword so is suicide to a point i mean you start it but you really die by the other guy cutting your head off i've never
1: heard that before
2: yeah and that's why there was a famous writer yukio mishima who in the 1900s did the same thing did his ritual suicide and had uh, one of his guys act as the um, guy was supposed to chop his head off except that this guy wasn't very good at it and so ended up cutting in his shoulder instead and like
1: how did his face look then
2: yeah exactly but uh, that was not the problem for the 47 running because these guys were good at it and they took care of business (laughs) and they um 46 46 heads were rolled on the floor and uh, the whole deal and this revenge act rehabilitated the whole clan so all the remaining samurai because there were way more than 47 all the other ones actually could find jobs again because now they were seen as honorable even like the whole clan had been rehabilitated through the act of these guys so it actually paid off in that sense and uh, that's the tale of the 47 running which is one of the most famous Meets. i mean it may be true historically maybe not nobody knows exactly how historical or not it is as a mythology is huge it's like one of the primary japanese stories that you see repeated they've made like gazillion movies about it uh written fictional accounts 3 million there's really so much material about this stuff and it's um, it's quite a tale and again the movie coming out oh you're going there no in in time for Christmas it's a Christmas release right of course it's uh, a this Christmas
0: heads are gonna roll yeah
2: now from what i've seen the preview looks awesome it looks like it has nothing to do with the story there are 47 guys and they're out for revenge other than that there are like random demons flying around fighting them there's it's a fantasy story more than anything so the movie is uh, i don't know you know don't expect it to be the story because it's not uh but take it for its own thing and again even the story itself history not history who cares It's a cool legend
1: do you have a favorite kung fu movie? Because Hero is probably my that one from about probably eight years ago now. Hero is well done, but the ending pissed me off. Yeah, whole, I just but visually, it
2: was like, no, visually wow. is beautiful. Um, one of my favorites was a Jet Li one as well, but I really dug a Feast of Legend. Oh, that's cool too. It was re- re- really well done, and for that matter, another Jet Li one that was really fun. Fearless was really good. Um, that was really well done. But uh, here I love visually, but yeah, it me the whole sacrifice for the country. Fuck yeah. you. They haven't invented a country good enough for me to sacrifice for. That's my take. But then again, you know, that's me being a barbaric bastard. You guys are feel,
1: feel free to feel differently. No, but the, the oceans of arrows and the huge. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh. I agree. Yeah. Merry Christmas.
2: So with this lovely image of 47 heads rolling off multiple ritual suicide uh, heavy revenge and we bid you guys a wonderful night and sweet dreams